You're listening to the Rizzoli Niles Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jay. So we found out some good, exciting Rizzoli Niles news. We found out that TNT renewed Rizzoli Niles for season four. Yes! Woo! Yay. More Scooby-Doo clues! Yay! <laughs> more more Niles! More cute Dr. Chang! More Frosty! More... Rondo. Corsac Angela Cavanaugh. More not having them together and we cry. More realizing that it's never going to happen. More beards. It's gonna be fantastic. More chances for the writers to fuck it up. <laughs> More of everything. Yes, I will say I'm really glad that they got renewed for a four season. Because I think if at first you don't succeed... The writers can try, try again. If it doesn't work out the first, second, or third time, maybe the fourth time will be so much better. Hey, the fourth time's a charm. But that also means that if they're renewed, technically we are too. So yeah, that's more, there's 15 more episodes of this podcast. Are you ready for that, Amanda? Are you ready for another year of this? You know, now that you mention it, I didn't sign up for this. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yes, but are you guys ready for that? I think you guys are ready. I mean, you guys, come on. You want more Amanda and Jay for next year. Plus- you thought you were rid of us. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> we're like a bad rash. We always come back. Or an STD. No. Okay. Went too far? <laughs> I mean, and as if there were any doubt that they wouldn't be renewed, they had the highest ratings when they premiered. I mean, that's at it right there. So. I'm just saying I know how it feels when a show gets canceled. Anyway. <clears throat> Alcatraz, we're looking at you. And Firefly and Dollhouse. Which? <laughs> Speaking of Dollhouse. <laughs> this episode, season three, episode four, is titled Welcome to the Dollhouse. So the scene opens to a dollhouse, um, literally. <laughs> and I noticed this the second time I watched it. The first time I did not pick up on it. But the, the second time I started to watch it. I did not realize that the camera zooms out from the fireplace. Oh, ho, ho, director. I see what you did there. And the shadow of the killer's hand is directly over the fireplace. I was like, ha, symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, next thing we see is a girl sitting in a chair, obviously in pain, crying. And a guy is yelling at her, will you tell? And I'm like, no, I promise I won't tell Maura and Jane that Casey's crippled. (laughs) She says, no, she won't tell either. And he bashes her over the head and she's dead. We're at a bus stop and lady pulls up and opens the door. And lo and behold, it's the same girl from the scene before dressed up as a doll with freaky makeup and everybody screams. Ah, she's dead. Yeah. Talk about a bad morning commute. Yeah. Killer. (laughs) Ba-doom, ching. Yeah, that was really bad. (laughs) (laughs) After that, we go to the BPD, to the cafe, where Angela is serving the whole building. (laughs) Everybody is lined up to get their morning coffee, I guess. Kavanaugh comes up and cuts the line. I was like, what is going on here? He didn't even wait in line. He just walks up in front of everybody and starts flirting with Angela. And be like, oh, no, keep the change. I was just like, what is this flirting? What happened to Corsac and Angela? Like, Kavanaugh and Angela now? But yeah, I totally think. I was like, it was kind of just came out of nowhere. Because it seemed... It seemed that the way how the show was going, 
that Corsac and Angela was going to hit it off. Especially last season. Mm-hmm. There were with, so many hints. Yeah, exactly. With everything that went on with Corsac and his ex-wife and Angela and Corsac were talking more. And then out of the blue, it's Kavanaugh and Angela? How would you even ship that? Cavangela? That sounds like an evangelist. <laughs> it sounds like a bad vagina. Cavangela. <laughs> oh, or Avanoff? Cazoli? But that's... A, no. No. Cazoli. That sounds like a food dish. Yeah. I, it's kind of... Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm digging this whole Kavanaugh Angela thing. I guess I guess what they're trying to do is like if they did decide two two things if they did decide to do Corsac and Angela it would be kind of cutting too close with Corsac and Jane's sort of relationship because it would be awkward for Jane. Wait for Corsac and Angela? Yeah, because if like let's say down the line Corsac and Angela I don't know get married or something that'll mean that Corsac will actually be like Jane's father-in-law and that whole I don't think Jane would have as much of a problem with that as she would with Kavanaugh if their relationship went to that level because Kavanaugh is her lieutenant. That would mean her stepfather is her boss. But at the same time, she's not buddy-buddy with Kavanaugh, though. Either way, it's going to be weird for Jane. I know. Yeah, either way it is, Jane's going to be like, oh. But I think Jane would still would be better off with Corsac and Angela because, one, they are partners. Two, she trusts Corsac, obviously, with her life. They do kind of have that father-daughter relationship after everything that happened with her and Hoyt. And I just think it would be better with Corsac and Angela. Maybe they're doing a love triangle. Maybe Corsac and Kavanaugh is going to fight for Angela. Oh, good God. That better not happen. What is this, like, Twilight, middle-aged? Come on. Back to uh, the cafe. Mara runs in wearing her workout clothes, which, by the way, I'm telling you, everything she wears. Seriously, she looks good in. (laughs) I know. Seriously. She really does. She's going jogging, and she still looks like she made an effort. Yeah, like, she still looks like she's on a runway. Like, what the hell? (laughs) It's not even fair. Who looks good in workout clothes? Well, Mara does, apparently. Mara. (laughs) (laughs) So, she runs up, literally, she runs (laughs) to Jane, and she's, like, telling Jane, hey, we're running. Like, she's telling her, like, we're running. Not saying, hey, you want to run? No, we're running, okay? Mm -hmm. We're running. Jane's excuse is to say that she already showered. (laughs) Morris sniffs her and asks Jane, last night or this morning? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's just wrong. That's just so... I I love that she was that close. Like, who does that? Just, like, Mm -hmm. goes up to, like, their friend, like... When you have that kind of relationship, I guess, you're welcome to go up and sniff your friend. No. Maybe? No. I'm going to do that to you. No. I'm just going to come up and be like, nice perfume. (laughs) But in response to Maura sniffing Jane, Jane threatens her with the fork. (laughs) Yes. And then she gives another excuse. She's like, um, my stomach is full. And I'm like, you haven't even touched your food. Yeah. So Mara tells Jane that she needs endorphins for energy because she's depressed. And Jane's like, she fakes mouth. She's like, see, I'm not depressed. Yeah, and Mara says it's because of Casey, and Jane denies it and says it's because she found a new ding in her car door. (laughs) And then Mara goes on and talking about the five stages of grief, and Jane starts saying, no, these are the five stages of ignoring you. And she goes (laughs) on, she says, see, touch, hear, smell, and taste. And so I was thinking, I was like, okay, how does one taste? I'm just wondering. When she said taste to Mara, I'm like, you taste Mara? That's how you're going to ignore her by not tasting her? 
when have you taped her? I really want to know. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I wasn't going to go there. But now that you bring it up, I bet more it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> you know what? I bet she does. <laughs> British strawberries, by the way. British strawberries, yes. Mara is still pushing Jane to, like, run with her. Come on. Come on. Let's run. And then Jane still, like, starts complaining about bunny pancakes. She's, like, annoying Mara. Like, she doesn't want to run. And when this happens, our best guest star comes, Rondo. Yep. We get to see Rondo again, which I was thrilled. Two episodes in a row. That is fantastic. Finally, we have him, hopefully, as a regular now. Maybe we'll get to see him little snippets here and there. It doesn't have to be every single episode, but I would like to see Rondo more regularly. So far, we've got, we're two for two. But Rondo sneaks in, and he is picking up food off the table, like bunny pancakes. And Jane gives him her bunny pancakes, and she's like, here, you can have these. And he's like, are you sure? Because I like my detectives with a little meat on their bones. <laughs> So he's all concerned for Jane. And then Angela comes up and, and is trying to help Rondo sneak some food out. And Jane's like, oh, so that's why the sandwiches are $12 a pop. <laughs> and then Angela's like, no, I take it out of my tips, which what Kavanaugh gave her. So the, the tips that Kavanaugh gave her are going to feed Rondo and his buddies. Which is so adorable. When I saw Angela coming around the counter and giving Rondo food, I my heart just melted. I was just like, oh. See, everybody loves Rondo. I know. And so uh, the phone goes off. Jane gets a text. Mara gets a text. Jane looks at Mara and is like, are you going to change? And my first reaction was, why would she need to change? She looks fantastic as she is. But she's like, five minutes. And so she starts running and Jane's like, three. <laughs> well, Jane's like, are you going to run there? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have the crime scene. And then we see this transit cop who's mean at the bus driver, and I'm like, killer! Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so, it just was so random. It was the most random thing that happened. I was like, why is this important? Yes. And when anything like that happens that's random, especially on Rizzoli Niles, you know this person's either the killer or involved in the, in the crime somehow, some way. Whenever they focus on a guest actor, it's obvious that they're involved in the killing somehow. Basically, he's yelling at the bus driver to get back on the bus and move the bus. And she was like, nobody tells me to move my bus. And then they go into this whole thing about Corsac knows him. They worked together 20 years ago. He talks about how either his wife left him or divorced him or died and he had a son. Which they gave that character way too much backstory at one moment. So you know immediately, oh, there's something going on with this guy. Who does that? Who, like, sees somebody across the street? Like, we're walking together, and I see somebody, I'm like, oh, that's such and such. They were married with such and such. They have a dog named Fido. They live on this street. And this and this, this, this has happened. Oh, yeah, and they work at this place, and they do this and that, and this and that. Like, who the fuck does that? <laughs> no one does that. It doesn't make any sense, because I bet you you'll be looking at me like, I don't fucking care. So they go up, and they start examining the body, and Mora is there, and basically with the body made up like a doll, Mara starts talking about something called Dom de Voyage, which were the sex dolls that were used by sailors back in the way back when, and then they go into the whole fetish about loving dolls, and it just gets, it just goes crazy into the doll fetish thing. <laughs> right. They found out that she was killed by something hard because of, like, the head injury. Like, you could see, like, her gash in, on her head. And she's wearing 90s clothing, and I was like, ah, oh, memories. <laughs> and they take the time to point out, oh, scrunchie in her hair. 
a Jane was being smart ass was like what this killer time traveled in the past and came back <laughs> or something. I was like, what? They use a TARDIS? What? I don't know. <laughs> and Mars like, uh, no, Detective Smarty Pants. And I was like, oh, nice callback to uh, season two where uh, Jane called her Doctor Smarty Pants. So does this mean that they're married? They're sharing the same name now. I think so. Detective Jane Vanilla Smarty Pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Detective Jane Clementine Vanilla Smartpants. <laughs> I wasn't going to put in the Clementine, but okay. With? Dr. Smarty Pants Vanilla. They took each other's name. <laughs> no, Strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mara. Mara Strawberry. Pants <laughs> Vanilla. <laughs> so many flavors. Uh, taste of rainbow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Someday. They just might. <laughs> So, so, they're saying the clothes are not hers, like, the doy. Obviously. And then Frost comes by, and he's, like, eating Angela's pancakes. I know! At a crime scene? I'm sorry. Why was he eating the food at the crime scene? Uh, isn't that, like, can't you... Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I just... Yeah. This is from the same guy that pukes every time. So, uh, they find a suitcase... And he looked through her suitcase, and all the, inf- the victim's um, information is there. And But her cell phone is locked. Jane is saying that she's looking for a killer with a doll fetish. And then while this is going on, Corsac comes by with the dog. He's trying to he's trying to sneak by, because you're not going to notice a dog at a crime scene. <laughs> and Jane stops and is like, what are you doing with that dog? Doesn't she point out that his pants are ripped, too? Yeah. And he's like, oh, these are my new pants. And Frost like, and yeah. Frost is like, you know kidnapping a, or stealing a dog is a felony, which I didn't know that. I will hope so, but I have to say, that dog is so freaking cute. It's adorable. I wanted to reach through the screen and, like, actually steal the dog and be charged for the felony because it was so cute. <laughs> it, was it was a pretty cute dog, I do admit. Whose name is now Barney Miller, which I have to say, the names that Corsac comes with these rescued animals are hilarious. Apparently Barney Miller was the name of a cop TV show back in the late, mid, mid-70s. mid Well, So that's probably why he named her Barney Miller. It's supposed to be an inside joke. Like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Get it? Barney N- Miller? We're a cop show and we're naming our dog after a cop show. How clever of us. So yeah, yeah. Corsac's whole thing is that he rescued her. Like she was just wandering around without a collar. So we head to the morgue. And as Jane and Mara, they're looking at the body. And basically, they're saying the victim died from head trauma, which we figured that out. And it was from something hard. And I just love that when... Oh, uh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> because she goes, are you willing to say what it is? Don't say it was hard. And Mara goes, it was hard. And Jane, you can see on her face, she does everything she can do to suppress a smirk. But you know she's thinking... That's what she said last week. (laughs) (laughs) The way they were just looking at each other, it was so funny. It was like, Mars like, it was hard. Wink, wink. And Jay's like, (laughs) (laughs) The victim wasn't raped, but she did have sex 36 hours before she died. I don't want to know how they know that, but it's like, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. She probably did a rape kit on her. I don't know how long she knew. Maybe by like the decomposition of the semen that they found or something. I'm not sure, but they used a condom. I don't know. No, they didn't remember because they found semen and they were going to compare it with the boss. Right, right, you're right. 
I was just thinking, like, what, like, the, the vagina said, oh, it was 36 hours ago. Like, <laughs> oh, if every vagina had a countdown timer of how long <laughs> the last time that it had sex, oh, people man. would be able to judge, to be like, okay, you should walk on eggshells around that person. It's been a while. They're a little edgy. <laughs> Oh, man. Or you'd be like, wow, five seconds, six seconds. Well, yeah, you just got lucky. Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully if it's that close, it's the person that they had sex with that Zeke that. (laughs) I know. They're not, like, down the street. Okay, we're not going (laughs) to. Like, if it was a little counter above your head and you're on an airplane and all of a sudden it just, it starts back at zero. (laughs) It's like someone did the like, Mile oh, High Club. Congratulations, you just joined the Mile High Club. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, moving on. Moving on. Anyway, they said the doll makeup was applied postmortem, and then Frost comes in and he found a suspect who has a thing with dolls. And so Jane's like, suggests Frost should take Frankie, which is the new thing now. Frost and Fr- Frankie are going to yes. hang out every single episode, I see. Which is, I'm fine with that. It's cool. Yeah, frosty. I mean, yeah. So she suggests that he takes Frankie because she's not in the catching pervert mood. <laughs> so Frost and Jane leaves. Marcel there, and then Corsac like sneaks in from where they, I guess, where they drop off the bodies. And he sneaks in. He's like, "Hey, Mara, can you do a favor? Can you check on a friend?" And she's like, "Sure." She's like, "Well, check on a friend. I mean, most likely they're dead." And then. And then you just see Bar- Bar- Barney Miller just walks in, and I was like, oh, that dog! So cute. So cute. And Mara's like, oh, sure. And I'm like, since when was Mara a vet? <laughs> she has such an issue dealing with live bodies, but she doesn't have a problem transitioning from the human body to an animal? I don't know. So we head to the suspect's apartment that Frost mentioned earlier. And so it's Frost, Frankie, and the landlord, and they... They're approaching the suspect's door, and they hear him yelling at someone. So you're thinking, oh, it's domestic abuse. Yeah, well, and and the landlord even takes the time to say the old lady has never called on, you know, the suspect. This is the first time she's ever called the police on him. Kind of a thing, setting you up for the next scene. (laughs) Because they bust through the door to stop the fight, and Frost goes to arrest the guy. Frost telling Frankie, hey, check on her, see if she's okay. So Frankie goes by, he's like, hey, ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? And he turns, and he sees that it's not a person. It's a doll. It's a doll. <laughs> and the guy is, like, totally referring to as a real person. He's he's saying that he wouldn't hit her if they fight, but he would never hurt her, and she hates to be alone. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this guy is in denial. Yeah, and they're, like, saying, like, they're fighting all the time, and it's because of her cooking. I'm like, which means you cooked, because obviously she didn't. So Frost tells Frankie to bring the doll in custody, too. And Frankie's like, um... Is yeah, he's like, like, I don't know where that thing's been. I'm not touching it. You exactly. take her. So we head to Mara's office, and she's saying Bar- Barney Miller is healthy, because she's a vet also, by the way. Corsac's like, hey, I want to show you what she could do. And he put his keys down. He's like, Barney Miller, Miller, give me my keys, give me my keys. 
and she could turn off lights, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that is pretty wicked. So, Dr. Chang, is this the fourth episode in a row? It is! She's been in every single episode. Dr. Chang walks in and gives Mara a chip reader, a microchip reader, so that they can see if Barney Miller is chip and they can find out where she came from. The chip shows that she's a service dog at the Veterans Center. I'm like, okay, I know where this is going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Corsac is all sad because he has to let her go. So, Mara volunteers to take the dog back since it's too hard for Corsac to do it. And I was like, aww. So, we head to the veteran center. And Mara takes Barney Miller back. I think she has her with, like, a, a, like a cord or some sort. Not a stitching cord, but it's something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was, like, a makeshift leash or what. Yeah. And Barney Miller, like, runs away from her. She's like, come back, Barney Miller, come back. She runs into someone's office. And the obviously office, you know it's it's Casey. Her name's not Barney Miller. It's Elsie, which is the dog's real name, according to Lorraine Bracco. Which is <laughs> her dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> according to Lorraine, who's the owner. <laughs> uh yeah, so Mar sees Casey and starts to, like tells him that, you know, Corsac found her because she lost a collar again. This this happens before apparently. While this is going on, Casey's just, like, moving around, and Mara, you know, being the smart person she is, she discovers Casey's injury. And is like, it's such and such syndrome, I couldn't even pronounce it. <laughs> Casey tells her that an off-site bomb was the cause of it, and so Mara suggests that he tells Jane. Casey's like, he won't tell her, and neither would you. And I was like, uh, hold the presses, what? You can't tell me what to do, what the hell? In this whole scene, I was like, Boy, he's a ball of sunshine. So Mara's like, I can't make that promise because Jane's my friend. And I'm like, that's right, Mara. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I understand I understand Casey wanting to keep it from Jane, but at the same time, he really doesn't have a right to tell Mara that she, can, she has to keep a secret from Jane. And so Casey said, oh, you will keep that secret because you're her friend. And I was like, he's the perfect guy. I mean... Jeez, that's being sarcastic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's good sarcasm, by the way. Yeah, that was good. I didn't even know you were being sarcastic. So Mars says that Jane would understand. And Casey thinks otherwise because he's saying from his experience watching other wounded soldiers and looking at their wives and girlfriends, that doesn't happen or something like that. And that the main reason why he came back to Boston was not for Jane. It was for these trials that they have so they can somehow repair his spinal cord. So he can walk again. Next scene is at the BPD where Frost and Frankie were interviewing the pervy guy with the doll. And you can see the doll and it's at Jane's desk. Jane walks in and is like, who's sitting in my chair? And she walks up and is like, hey, you're sitting in my... And she freaks the fuck out. <laughs> She's like across the room like, oh my God. Which, of course, Frost and Frankie and Corsac were all cracking up at Jane's expense. And then this was... A bit interesting, though. Oh, yeah. Corsac is upset that Barney Miller is gone. Frost was like, how can you be upset? You only know the dog for, like, two hours or something. And he, like, it's going to be okay and use, like, Marlene as, like, a puppet. <laughs> and, like, Corsac even took a picture. Like, he took a picture with him and the dog. And I was like, wow, dude. Yeah. Corsac got attached quick. I was cracking up because from the few scenes before where they wouldn't touch the doll, all of a sudden Frost has his hands all over the doll. Right. And even picked her up <laughs> and everything. Corsac kind of slips and says where the dog is and that the real dog's name is Elsie. 
and it belongs to the Veterans Center and belongs with Casey. Jane hears it, so she's upset. So Frankie walks in and saying that the suspect is crying for his doll, Marlene. That's the yes. name. And Frankie starts to pick up, pick up Marlene, and Frost's like, you, be careful because that bitch is heavy. So he starts talking about the doll. Corsac is saying that the Marlene costs eight grand. Yeah, that is crazy. $8,000. Frost is saying, well, that's cheaper than a wife. And then Frankie's like, well, yeah, I, I'll pay for a girl that doesn't talk. And Jane calls him the Three Stooges. Larry, Curly, and Moe. And so Frost is still saying that he can't crack the cell phone password. Corsac tries to see if there's connection from the bus routes. And then Mara walks in again with workout clothes. I'm telling you. If yeah, Mara is bent on getting Jane to work out with her. I think workout is euphemism for let's hook up and get you over this. Yeah. <laughs> Sex will make it all better, Jane. Don't worry. Or um, fracking, knowing, or talking. Now we can add a working out to it. Mara says something. She walks in and she overhears Corsac about the bus routes. And she says something about the bus uh, ID or something. And Jane teases her saying, beep, I am a robot. Beep, I don't compute human talk. (laughs) (laughs) Jane basically mocks Mora's use of clinical term for what was wrong with the security card, which basically came down to it just didn't store the memory in the card. So she goes up to uh, Jane. She's like, okay, we're going to the gym. Come on, let's go. She's like, I'm even, she even forces her. She say, even though you're rude to me, we're going to the gym and we're working out. And Jane's like, no, I'm too tired. And Mara becomes so, I've never seen Mara so desperate. She's like, okay, that's okay. We don't have to work out. We can go to the bar. We can go to Dirty Robber instead. She's like, yeah, she's like, we can go get a beer. Mara? Voluntarily willing to go drink a beer? <laughs> She's like, I'll even drink a beer. Let's let's go. I'm like, wow, Mara is trying so hard <laughs> to distract Jane. Yep. Wow. And Jane declines. I'm sorry. If I was Jane, I'd be like, wait, you want to do what? Okay, we're going. <laughs> yeah. No. Jane declines going out with Mara. Instead, she's like, I'm gonna go home and work out on the couch. Mara can go work out on that couch with you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Jane leaves, and Mara is like. Like, a, looks like a sad little puppy. I wanted to, like, hug her so bad. She was just standing there in her workout clothes. Got, like, her, like, gym bag. And, like, Corsac notices. And Corsac, like, co- like, calls her over. And it's like, I think I know why she's upset. She's upset because I accidentally mentioned Casey. And Mara's like, well, I think that's the reason why she doesn't want to hang out with me. And I was just like, oh. So we head to Mara's house. Angela is showing off her cafe website. And she's saying that the customers can order online now and that Frost set it all up. And Angela is worried about Jane. And she starts talking about, this reminded her about this this boyfriend Jane used to have and they went to prom together in high school. Mara goes into her drawer, her desk drawer, and she gets out a book. And she tells <laughs> Angela to swear not to tell Jane about the secret she has about Casey. Angela looks at the book and it's a Grey's Anatomy book. <laughs> it was awesome. Which I was so happy it was not a Bible because it would have been so out of character for Mara. Exactly. So I was like, because when she grabbed it at first, I was like, if that's a Bible, I'd be so upset with the writers. No, it was perfect that it was ended up being Grey's Anatomy, which while I was watching the show, I was on Twitter and someone made the comment about a Grey's Anatomy crossover <laughs> with Rizzoli and Isles now. It makes total sense. Bad enough, some people think that Sasha and Jessica Capshaw look alike and should be twins, which I don't. But it was just kind of funny 
how a Grey's Anatomy book, even though it was spelled with a, I think with an A instead of an, an e, a instead of an e, yeah. Still, we still remind you of the show. Like, there's these other characters who are together, the same sex, and one looks like apparently looks like Sasha, even though I don't think so. It's kind of don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what you're doing here. Angela sees this and she's like, it's not a Bible. And Mara's like, swear, swear on it. Angela swears, she's like, I promise I won't tell Jane about the secret about Casey. And so Mara tells her about Casey's injury. The first thing Angela thinks about is like, wait, does that mean that they won't be able to have children? (laughs) That's the first thing Angela always thinks about, grandchildren. And Mara rolls her eyes like, oh my God, seriously, that's the first thing you think about? (laughs) Like this, This guy is paralyzed and you're thinking about grandchildren? He may recover, but we don't really know. And that he won't tell Jane about his condition. And so Angela says, well, he's a fool for not telling Jane. And then Mara says, I think Jane loves Casey. And then when she says that, she just had like this sad look on her face. Yeah. I couldn't help but to think like, maybe she's a little tad jealous. Maybe just a little tad, just a little tad. <laughs> you gotta think of it this way. Usually Mara's the type of like telling Jane, go ahead, date around, have fun, do whatever. But this is probably the first time that Jane's really serious. And she's probably like, oh, God, this could end somewhere and I'm not in this equation. This is not good. So we head to the BPD. Corsac, Frost, and Jane, they're still looking for clues of the case. Frost still can't crack the code. And Corsac is still looking at the bus routes. And while this is going on, after a while, Frost finally gets the password. And he sees that there was some sexting going on with this married man. When he said that, the sexting, I was waiting for. I waited and waited and I was like, they're going to define sexting. You're gonna be like sexting, sexual texting, and I, they didn't do it. I was like, hallelujah! <laughs> it's not like we don't all know what sexting means now. I remember when it, it first came out, and everybody's like, oh, sexting, sexy texting, sexual texting, sexy text messaging. I was, they define it in every single episode. I just waited for them to do it in this one, and they didn't. I was like, thank you. Okay, so we head to the interrogation room because they called up the married man and he denies having an affair with the victim. And so Jane and Frost telling him, like, hey, we found DNA and we have proof that she had sex. We're going to ask her your DNA to compare. And then he caves in. He's like, okay, yeah, we did. We had sex. He's like, but I didn't kill her. He was saying he was home when it, when the crime happened. So yeah. Corsac walks in and says there's another victim. So we head to the crime scene and it's another bus stop it's a different girl and it seems like it's the same blunt object that killed her she's wearing 90s clothing and she's and a scrunchie and a scrunchie (laughs) the wound on her head looks to be about the same as the one from the previous victim and they also showed the traffic cop again he was across the street not yelling at anybody but it was still him okay so we head to the cafe it's busy again stanley is yelling at angela complaining about how good the business is isn't the point to make money but he's like damn it rizzoli and he's all mad because there's so much business yeah that was kind of weird frost is there and angela calls him over and they start talking and she's saying She's not getting enough traffic on her website. So Frost starts giving her some suggestions. And Jane comes up and starts blabbing about the details of the case, which I thought they weren't supposed to discuss that around civilian. Like, aren't you supposed to be keeping details of a murder case, like, secret? They're at the police station. Yeah, but they're right there by Angela and Stanley where they can 
clearly over here. Yeah, it was just a plot device so she could start blabbing on the blog. Which, by the way, I'm like, why would Angela do that? Why would Angela, like, just put the details out? Jane goes on and on. She thinks that a passenger on a bus could be the killer. So we head to the brick. They see footage that the married guy, part of his story was true. He exited out the parking garage at the time, he said. But he didn't go straight home. Oh, no, sir. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. He saw the victim instead, and they start arguing on the sidewalk. He brings her to her car, and they drive away. So we head back to the interrogation room. Obviously, you know he has nothing to do with the murder. They're just trying to shove him down your throat to be like, oh, he's the one that did it. Here, believe this guy that we're going to throw at you because we we want to try and deter you from who it really is because you know who it is because he was in the very first crime scene. <laughs> exactly. And so they're interviewing him again. He lied about seeing the victim because he didn't want to get involved. And he drove her home to explain about his marital situation. He's in the process of getting separated. And he dropped her off at a bus stop instead of her house. And afterwards, he went to a bar. So we head back to the brick. They see footage of the victim going onto the bus. Corsac and Jane decide to interview the bus driver from that night that was on the bus. Okay. So, <laughs> we head outside. We have Corsac and Jane. They're interviewing the bus driver that picked her up that night. And he's saying he did his job. He had nothing to do with it. I'm like, of course he did. We figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> you're jumping from suspect to suspect to suspect. It's like they have ADD. They can't focus and find out who the real killer is. Heaven forbid. <laughs> next next time they're going to they're going to interview the fire hydrant. Did you do it? <laughs> was it you? <laughs> they're going to interview Barney Miller. Like, did you do it? Was it you? Surprised they didn't. God, they interviewed every single person. But the actual killer. They're going to interview people, like, overseas. Like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? I wasn't even in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is going on, our buddy Pell appears. Rondo shows up with a red shirt, a beret, and a vest. That was the most clashing outfit I've ever seen. <laughs> On his shirt, it says, Angela's Guardians. And it wasn't just him. No, there were others. But before we get to that point, he's saying that him and his homies are going to go to different bu uh, bus stops all around Boston, protecting the women of Boston. Because Mrs. Vanilla got their back. Which I didn't know. I was Mrs. Vanilla? That's Maura's name, Mrs. Vanilla. I'm not going to have this debate with you again. If uh, Mara would take Jane's name, she would be Mrs. Vanilla. We already established that Mara is strawberry, so... <laughs> we head to the lab, and they're going over a sliver of wood, not a splinter. Because Corset calls it a splinter, and Jane's like, no, use the correct term. It's a sliver. <laughs> and, I was, and Mara looks at Jane like, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if I should applaud you. <laughs> So they're going over the details. Apparently, there was two sets of blood on it. One was the first victim. The other set of blood was the second victim. They're, oh, surprise, surprise. She does the face, and Jane goes, oh, doesn't that look like her? I've got a secret face. <laughs> and my first reaction was, oh, you would know, Jane. You would know. Mm -hmm. So it turns out the secret is there is a third trace of blood that's 20 years old, which means that there was probably an original victim. Mm -hmm. And Jane asks her, have you been drinking? Because how could the blood be 20 years old? Mara's response to that was, yes, I've been drinking water. <laughs> Dr. Chang walks up and hands her the results of 
the wood, which ends, ends up being that it's white ash, which that's twice in one episode that we've now seen Dr. Chang. I'm counting because oh, yeah. every other episode, it's been one time. This is twice now. <laughs> so they're saying that the white ash, Corsac says that it's, they use white ash as the old nightsticks. And then they're saying, so you're saying the killer could be a cop? And I'm like, did we just figure this out? Like, the first two minutes. <sighs> <laughs> we head to Kavanaugh's office, and it's Jane Corsack and Kavanaugh, and they're starting talking about the case. He has, like, one of the old nice sticks that he was talking about, and he was talking about his old days of being a cop. and How they never used to be able to arrest the husbands until they almost killed their wives, and they would trick them into... F- picking fights with the cops so that they could arrest them and give them a beat down. And I'm just like, okay, nice to reminisce about the good old days. Can we get back to the case now? Or at least Jane and Mara. Yeah. <laughs> Which we did. Because <laughs> right after that boring scene, we're outside and Jane and Mara are finally running and working out. Jane, oh, he, she's concentrating on the killer. Mara thinks Jane is talking about Casey. Jane's like, I don't, even, I don't even talk about Casey. Mara's like, you need to talk about it. Maybe saying his name over and over again. Will get yeah, you. what did she call it? Overexposure or something like that? Yeah, so she's like, Casey. 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 <laughs> but she like, wasn't just saying it, Casey. She was saying it in a breathy way because they are running. And my reaction was, I did not want to hear Mara say Casey's name that way because that's how she's supposed to say Jane's name. Why did you go? This <laughs> is the fourth time in a row where you take something and you just made it dirty like it's why did you have to do that no i can't oh god it's in my head oh (laughs) jane's like no i'm talking about the killer and they start talking about the psychological state of the killer and jane starts figuring stuff out and at the end while they're running basically jane jane has her eureka moment about the blood and the dated clothes on the victim yeah and so Jane stops running. Mara's still running in place like, okay, oh, we still got to keep running. We can come. We can do this later. Come on. She's still running. And Jane is like, she smells herself, and she's like, did we run enough to shower? And Jane's like, no, what are you doing? And like, Jane, Jane runs off. And yeah, like, as if Mara would say no to a shower. And Mara's like, what? She's like, no. She's like, my endorphins are not high enough. Damn it. And I started thinking of that she didn't get her uh, runner's high. (laughs) She didn't. She didn't get her runner's high. She's like, damn it, we just did a mile. We have 25 miles to go. Well, I mean, if they take their shower, she'll get her high then. Oh, yeah. She can definitely work out then. Anyway, so we head to the break. (laughs) Jane walks in, and Carson's like, wow, that was a fast runner. She's like, I'm a fast runner. (laughs) I guess guess her and Mari had a quickie. Uh, yep. <laughs> so they're still looking at clues, and they're looking for past domestic cases that happened 20 years ago. Jane thinks that the killer is reenacting a 20-year-old crime, and then Kavanaugh comes in and tells him to put on the news. And on the news, there's Rondo with his homies wearing Angela's Guardian t-shirts, yeah, saying that they're protecting the women and helping the police department. Yes. And he actually does a good job. He he does a good job. He's not blaming the police department, but he said that the police department is busy and they can't be everywhere at once. So they are picking up and helping protect the women that ride the buses. <laughs> Frost goes to Angela's blog and sees she has 12,000 followers. 
And he's like, he's like, oh, that's really cool. And then he looks at Kavanaugh and he does his face and then like leans back and try to use, and try to hide behind Corsac. And Kavanaugh's like, you better hide. I know that was awesome when he was like, oh shit. <laughs> so we head to the to the lobby and we see that ugly piece of art again. So <laughs> Jane is like signaling Mara like. Yeah, yeah. They're peeking through the artwork. <laughs> like, through the and, hole. <laughs> yeah, and Jane's wondering if Kavanaugh is going to fire her mom. <laughs> yeah, she's also worried that she's going to go back to evidence management. So they're watching Angela and Kavanaugh. They're holding their breath, and then you see Angela handing Kavanaugh food, and all of a sudden everything's all good. And Kavanaugh, like, walks away with the food, and is like, not one word, Rizzoli. <laughs> Jane and Mara, they go to Angela in a cafe and they start talking to her. You know, just like, hey, have you seen my blog? She's so cute. <laughs> She's so, yeah, she goes, I have 12 followers. <laughs> and Jane's like, that's 12,000 followers, mom. <laughs> and Mara has to be exact. She's like, actually, it's 12,313. And then she's like, okay, it's 12,314. <laughs> she's <laughs> counting down. Yeah. And Jane just like, quit it. And she slams the laptop shut and takes it away. <laughs> She confiscates her mom's laptop. She's like, no more blogging for you. Jane leaves. Angela says that, you know, we need to fix this Casey Jane thing because Jane is angry. And Mara says, no, you know, we should not help them. This is not my our business. That's their situation. I'm like, exactly. As if Mara didn't learn from the first time she told her about Casey. Yeah. I guess she didn't learn her lesson. Because didn't Jane, like, last episode was saying, oh, I kept this a secret and made you worry about going to jail because you, you shared secrets yeah. with Angela. Yeah, <laughs> stop like... telling stuff to my mother. And Mara did. <laughs> she didn't learn. So we head to the brick. Jane gives Frost Angela's laptop and was like, you need to shut down the blog like a now. Jane, Corsac, and Frost, they're looking at the transit cop file and they realize... Because of the case, they were, they were looking for an old 20-year-old case. And they said that the wife was missing uh, and has been missing for 20 years. And that they had a son, and now the son is 25 years old and was in a mental hospital for eight years. And Jane thinks that that's the connection. So we head to the interrogation room, and they, it's Corsac and Jane, and they're interviewing the cop's wife, Mom. And she starts talking about how the, the transit cop's wife was was into dollhouses and that the transit cop used to abuse her. The wife's name is Libby and her mom shows her pictures of Libby and the transit cop when they were all a family. Corsac immediately points out, oh, is that a scrunchie? I was like, fucking fuck, fuck, how come I with the scrunchie again? Corsac should have immediately put that together. Oh, they're all related because they're all wearing that same fucking scrunchie. With dollhouses everywhere. In my in my notes, I have in all caps. I have seriously. How did they not immediately put that together? <laughs> yeah. So the mom hands them love letters because apparently, the wife and the husband used to send love letters to each other. And at the back of the envelope, she put her lipstick on it. And she said, "I'm giving you these because I bet you you want it for DNA." And she's like, "I know because I watch a lot of crime shows." <laughs> we head to another room, and it's Janie Corsack, and they're interviewing the transit cop. And he's being an ass, basically. And he's going on, he's saying, like, you can't arrest me without any proof. So he's, he even, like, puts out his hands, he's like, so you're going to arrest me? Because you can't. And then walks out. I was like, you little asshole. Oh, my God. 
He knows what they can hold him on and what they can't hold him on. Okay, so we go to the lab. Mara and Jane are waiting on the DNA results. Mara is telling Jane not to hover, which Jane's like, come on, we really need the results so we can verify that it's the transit cop that was involved in all of these murders. And Mara goes, you're breathing on me. (laughs) And my gut reaction was, like, that's ever been a problem for you before, Mara. (laughs) Jane kind of backs off. She gets a text. Jane goes, oh my god, I can't believe it. Mara goes, if that's a text from a vacation club in Acapulco, don't respond. It might be a scam. I love her. Has she gotten one of those before? (laughs) Is that how she knows this? Or was she reading something and was just like, oh, don't do this? I think she was linked. After she did that whole hot air balloon thing, they just linked her a bunch of scam stuff. (laughs) What happened? But Jane goes, it's not a scam, and she hands her phone to Mara, and Mara's like, it's Casey. But I was like, wait a minute, it's not a scam, but it's Casey. Then why do I feel like we're being scammed out of this whole relationship here between Jane and Mara with this whole Casey thing? (laughs) Perfect connection, dude. You should be a cop. (laughs) Thank you. I should. I could solve these cases in two minutes or less. The text from Casey is he wants to meet Jane at the Dirty Robber for drinks. Then Dr. Chang comes back in a third time. I like seeing Dr. Chang. She's adorable. But she comes back with the results that the lipstick on the envelope is the same lipstick that the victims were wearing. So ding, 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 we have a winner. Yeah, and so Jane is excited. She runs off and she's like, come on, I need you. She says that to Mara so Mara can tag along. I'm like, aww. So we're at the traffic cop house. They have a cadaver dog, I believe it was, trying to sniff out, you know, where he, if he murdered anybody at the house or if there was uh, a, a body hidden there. And they don't find anything. They can't find evidence of anything, and so Jane's naturally puzzled, which I'm like, I'm not, because they mentioned the warehouse that Libby had. Why did they not think of that immediately? But they put two and two together, and so Jane's like, oh, didn't they have a warehouse that was abandoned? Is it still abandoned? Yes, it's still abandoned. Let's go check that out. So they head to what's called Libby's dollhouse. The cop has a son at gunpoint. He's yelling at the dad you have to tell them and he's yelling will you tell and right as he's about to say what the dad did the dad shoots him which i was like that's fucked up that is just shoots him to prevent his son from saying anything so jane runs over with the son his name is jonathan and she asks tell what what do you what is it that you want him to tell and he says that he hurt her and jane figures out that he's talking about his mother and that his mother was murdered in front of him and he asked Jane will you tell and Jane says I'll tell don't worry and I was kind of torn at this whole scene because at this point we're figuring out that it was the son that was killing everybody because the cop says that they gave him a bus pass or the traffic cop says that they gave Jonathan a bus pass which was how he was getting out of the mental institution to go and find these women and kill them you know it's what gave him the opportunity to do this but i didn't understand was if jane realized that jonathan was the one killing them she was being very empathetic toward him which i thought was a little bit out of character for jane because she was always she's always so hard when it comes to murderers she has no empathy for them she doesn't feel for them in in any way but this time she was showing emotions towards jonathan 
Yeah, because I I guess because of the whole abusive thing, but I'm like, he still killed innocent people. Exactly, innocent women. I mean, I understand that it's the father that turned him into that by killing his mother in front of him, but at the same time, she was too sympathetic towards the murderer himself. But, you know, after Jonathan obviously dies, she stands up, she's saying that you turned him into a monster, and she zooms in on the dollhouse that's sitting on the table with the family around the fireplace. And immediately she realizes, oh, it, the body's hidden in the fireplace. <laughs> Out of all the dollhouses. Of all the dollhouses in this place, she zooms in on the one. But anyway, they go back to the dollhouse. At this point, I feel like we're just wasting time. Because we, re- we know the body's there, but they feel it's necessary to show us... Jane discovers that the body's in the fireplace. So, you know, they go back there with the cadaver dogs. They smash the fireplace in. Oh, look, the body's right where we thought it would be. Which I thought that was just a waste of screen time. It was just filler. There was... There was really no point to that scene other than to just be like, oh, here's the body. We found it. Yay. I could have cut that scene out completely and continued more into the next scene at the Dirty Robber. So Jane walks in and Casey's already there. She starts talking about, to Casey about she's really glad that, they, that he wanted to meet. He's like, I'm really glad too. And Jane immediately goes into, let's start over. We could just start with running together. <laughs> And she's like, I'll take up rollerblading. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> he's like, you bitch. <laughs> and Jane's like, what? What'd I say? <laughs> I, totally, I totally did not notice your crutches on the floor. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Because the ca- it's off scene. Why would I see that? It's, it's cut off from the camera's view. I mean, I would walk up and not see your crutches right next to you. (laughs) Holy, come on! If it was underneath the table, maybe. But still. Or like on the other side of him. Like if you had him to the left of him in in the booth. Okay, I could understand Jane not seeing him. His body would be blocking them from view. But they were on the outside, leaning against the bench. (laughs) Like, like... She thinks, like, Casey just brought that just because. <laughs> like, or someone else. Like, or be like, huh, somebody left their crutches here. I hope they made it out okay. <laughs> they were the only people. <laughs> <laughs> they were the only people in the bar. Okay, so put two and two together. They're the only people in the bar. The only, the bartender is standing, walking around. Who the, it is not your crutches. Who else do you think is going to be for? Oh my god. (laughs) I know, that was so bad. After Jane has to surgically remove the foot from her mouth, Casey is like, well, I got your note in Jane saying that's not her handwriting, it's Angela's handwriting. And she gets all heartfelt. It doesn't matter about Casey and his crutches and his injuries. Oh yeah, so Casey's saying he needs more time for this to process and all that. Before he leaves, he asks her not to watch him leave. I know. That's so dumb. When he said that, I was like, okay, what is she supposed to do? How long is she going to stare out the window or at the wall? That is the dumbest question ever. So, of course, she doesn't listen, and she watches him and starts crying. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't care. Like, I really don't. This whole Casey Jane thing, I don't, it's it's not even believable. So he's hobbling out the door, and... As he makes the door, more is there to hold it open for him. <laughs> Can we talk about this for a second? I'm yes, not- let's, because I have plenty to say. 
I'm noticing a pattern here, even starting from season one, okay? Every time Jane is on a date with a dude, and of course, it doesn't work out. Who comes, split second later, Mara. My thing is this, how the fuck does Mara know that the date is gonna be bad, that she could just come in? Because now I'm thinking, I was thinking, hypothetically, what if Casey and Jane was having a great time? What Mara was gonna do? Was Mara gonna walk in and just sit at the bar and just stare at them having a date? Like, what was she gonna do? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just find it kind of weird. Mara shows up, and if Jane and, and Casey were, for some reason, having a fantastic time, Mara would be like, oh, hey, can I join you? <laughs> and just stare down Casey the entire time. I, I, I be like, that's my bitch. Like, I have a solution. Oh, God, what is it? Mara stalking Jane. There you go. <laughs> Mara is now Hoyt's apprentice. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. No. Mara stalking Jane, and she waits for them to make their exit, and swoops in and takes care of vulnerable Jane. It kind of shows that Mara would never leave Jane. Like, she will always, she's the one. It's like, all these guys will leave, but Mara is there. Look, look. It's like the shipper god's heavens is like, ding, ding, ding. It's like Mara has, like, the Sims green diamond on her head. Like, pick me. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Mara knew Jane was meeting Casey at 9 o'clock at the Dirty Robber. Casey leaves. Jane texts Mara and is like, the day was horrible. I asked him to go rollerblading. And then Mara shows up. Yes. That would make more sense. I guess for time and pacing sake, they're just like, we're going to strategically time it for Mara to arrive just as Casey's leaving because she's stalking Jane like that. And not just Casey, but Dean and every other freaking date (laughs) Jane has ever dated. She goes to Jane and she asks what's happened. And Jane's telling her that it was horrible and that I asked him about running in rollerblading and starts laughing. And Mara's like, shut the front door. You did not. (laughs) She shows Mara, Jane shows Mara Angela's note. And Mara starts it with Angela is and Jane finishes together with Mara, a dead woman. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish, though, at that scene that it didn't end like in a funny way. Like Jane would actually, because she was crying like two seconds ago. Yeah. That she would actually be upset and like, Mara can, like, go around the table and, like, hug her. I don't yes! Know, oh, that'd be perfect! Because your heart's been. broken, you're like, <laughs> you're not laughing. Oh, you yeah. won't believe it. Your heart's broken. Who do you lean on? Mora. Who do, who's who's here to make it all better? Mora. And I, and I honestly, I didn't have a problem with the way it ended this episode. I was like, okay, you know, Mora's there to make Jane feel better. But that they're obviously going to drag out this Casey situation. Yeah, they left it open. Yep. So that's the end of that episode. I'll tell you one thing, that was better than last week. It was okay. It wasn't like, ah, this is the best ever. It was okay. Yeah, it was better than Erection Man, which there was no mention of him anywhere, which I was like, thank God. I, th- I thought for sure that they were going to be like, oh, I'm meeting Dennis for lunch, or Dennis is painting me again, or sculpting me, and I'm getting jiggy with it. <laughs> yeah, you see what happens when you take out Erection Man and you add a dog? It's totally better. <laughs> Just replace Erection Man with a dog. The the episode will be ten times better. So, Jay, did you know that agomatophilia is the clinical term for sexual attraction to a doll, statue, or mannequin? It is derived from the Greek words agoma, meaning statue, and philia, meaning love. A famous agomatophiliac was Pygmalion, 
a mythological Greek sculptor who fell in love with the statue he created. I did not know that, but now I know. Okay, so Amanda, what was your rating, your Gaydar Ping rating? My Gaydar Ping for this episode was just friends again. There was a little bit more back and forth between Jane and Mara, but most of it was Casey related. So yeah, I can't I can't really give it more than a one. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a just friends too. I mean, a part of me wished that when Mara was upset with the whole Jane is pying over Casey thing, I was like, maybe it's a jealousy thing. But um no, it's it's just friends. By the way, I have to say this Mara and this episode was amazing. It reminded me of somewhat of season one Mara. I was like, uh, yeah, this is the Mara I love. I don't want the Mara in season the, in the previous episode. I want this Mara for the rest of the season. <laughs> the Mara that goes dick crazy. Right. I, I love this Mara who was, she wasn't uh, all over the place. She still was quirky, but she wasn't overdoing it. She yeah. was like season one Mara. She, and she didn't, um, I'm starting to realize that so far this season, I'm guessing, I don't know if they took our advice or if they actually listened to us. But we said yeah. <laughs> we said that one of the things we want in season three was that maybe just to tone down of this robotic fact giving Mora. Like she can have facts and that's cool, that's what we like about her, but not every sentence. Like she yes. would say like Jane would say something and then she would have another fact. And then Jane would say something and she would have another fact. Like she wasn't like communicating with Jane. But so far I have to say these past four episodes, she has like one one or two facts and that's it. And I'm fine with that. That's good. I don't want Wikipedia Mara going crazy and just saying fact after fact after fact. So far, I'm really appreciating that. So yeah, and we we really only had it that one scene where uh, the well actually the first crime scene with the doll where she talks to, she talks about Dame de Voyage and uh, the meaning behind or the history behind that and agamatophilia and and the doll fetish. So keep Mara like this. I really appreciate it. A couple weeks ago, probably like a week or so ago, you and another uh, and a follower on our Twitter account was talking about Battle, Battlestar Galactica and you were talking about Starbuck. Starbuck, who is played by Katie Sackhoff. Right. And saying that it would be kind of fun if she guest starred on Resilient Outs. So I started thinking about that and I thought, you know what? I really am sort of disappointed that Resilient Outs don't have a lot of women guest stars. Yeah. Usually it's men. And why does it always have to be a love interest? If it's right. a male, can it be a friend or something? And if it's a female guest star, why they either have to be related or somehow involved into the crime? <laughs> right. Well, and, and too, not every guest star has to be the murderer yeah, or the victim. The guest star could be somebody related to the crime, yes. Um, somebody pivotal in helping solve the crime, but not necessarily the person that caused the crime to take place. Throw a little monkey wrench in there. Trick us. Be like, throw a guest star at us. And we're like, oh, it's that person. But oh my God, it's not. We tricked you. Ha ha ha. I feel like there's so many missed opportunities when it comes to the women guest stars. Um, especially if this show is promoting that they're professional women. Well, show us professional women. Like, show us right. women other than Jane Moore. I don't think it's going to take away from the show. I mean, showing the men as love interest is already doing that, but I think it would make it a little bit better. I felt I was disappointed when the ADA was a killer. It would have been fantastic if she was guest-storing every once in a while and being a part of the case. 
That's yeah. why I got my hopes up so much in that episode. Where I was like, the ADA, I hope she comes back and she turns out to be the killer. I'm like, no! Because I really wanted her to stay. And, show, and, you know, throw another strong female character into the mix. Which I'm kind of hoping that's what Dr. Chang is going to turn into. That we get to see another strong female character that we don't have to worry about her love life. We don't have to worry about her relationship with Jane and Mara. It's just she's a good supporting character that we grow to like who is consistently likable. Like, give us a female version of Rhonda. doesn't be the same situation like a homeless person, but, like, give us, like, a female person that we would like as, like, a Rondo. So when they guest star, it'd be like, yay! They can bring the cute FBI agent back. Bring back FBI cutie. Have another case with the Hess involved her and the FBI. Yes! And tell us what the fuck happened between her and Frost! Yes! Because we never find- there was a- it was never mentioned after that. I think FBI cutie is in the same purgatory as Doyle, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Constance, and Frank Sr., Tommy. Yeah, I think they're in the same room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This whole out of sight, out of mind thing is not working for me because it's not out of mind. They may be out of sight, but we want to know what the fuck's going on with their lives. Come on. Give us a little few crumbs here. Give me a one-liner. Oh, Constance is coming home today. Oh, great. How is she doing? She's fine. Getting, you know, slowly getting back to normal. Awesome. Let's move on with the case. If we're going to be, if we're talking about how to properly write episodes, I would, I have something that I would like to discuss about this episode because we discussed it previously. You know, we read about it on Twitter. We discussed it with some other people about what was lacking in this episode. So you've got a decent theme going on for the crime plot. So you have dolls. Dolls are fucking creepy. Yeah. You throw dolls into the mix and immediately you've got some kind of interesting hook there for what's going on. Now, instead of having the cop shoot his son, how about the son's not there at all? How about the cop, the traffic cop, goes to Libby's house because he knows that's where he's keeping the victims. Oh, gee, they catch him red-handed with the victim. He takes the fall for his son because of his guilt from killing his wife in front of his son. He has initially, he has, in a way, caused all of these murders that his son has committed. So he takes the fall, they arrest him, they pin the murder on him, and the son is still free. Oh my god, they didn't catch the real killer. <gasps> we can have a two-parter. It doesn't have to be necessarily the next episode, but like, say, two, uh, two, three episodes down the line, another doll shows up. Oh my god, what's going on? We caught the killer. Fuck, they could have drawn it out so much. They could have expanded it and done so much with this episode. It's painful how Badly, they just cut themselves short. But I also feel like what Rizzoli Niles is really missing is an arc. I think every season should be like from beginning to end. Like, this is what we want. This is how we're going to begin. And this is how we're going to end. And this we're going to find our way to little little clues to get right. toward that ending. I feel like what they do is like, okay, um, we're going to start an episode. We're going to do our case and go on. And then they write all the episodes. And then they get to the last episode. And they're like, okay, we need to think of a cliffhanger. And all right, yeah. there, boom, done. But they don't like really. They don't, yeah. 
You know what they're I mean? They're very short term. Every episode is pretty much a one shot. Right. There's no like they're just different little puzzle pieces and it's not and they're all, and each puzzle piece is like a different piece from a different puzzle and you're just like this doesn't even go with the what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And I've never experienced a show like that. Usually a show I, even Leverage, which every episode is a different con and they dress up in different characters, there's an arc in every season. Right. It, that's well that's the point of the show. It's supposed to slowly build up to this big finale at the end, which we don't get that with Rizzoli and Isles. What we get is, okay, we'll give you two episodes at the beginning, we'll forget about for the next, you know, ten episodes, and then two episodes before the finale, all of a sudden we're going to go, we're going to revisit what we talked about in the, the very beginning of the season and leave it as a cliffhanger for you guys. You should have, like, this season should be about Mara's birth mom, and that would be the connection for the rest of the thing. And a little bit more Jane and Mara's trust issues or something. Like, I think it was a little too soon. Maybe they should have fight a little bit more or something. But something bigger than just Patty Dole. It should have been something else. I don't know. What they could have done, because they've they've obviously dropped the ball on it already. It's we're in we're we're four episodes in, and we're already two episodes without any mention of Patty Doyle. What they could have done is Patty Doyle's been arrested. He's in jail. We guess. Yeah. Um. What's the repercussions of that? What's the repercussions of Patty Doyle being taken off the streets? Is the mob re- retaliating for what took place with Patty? Are they going to be start targeting Mora? Who is taking Patty's place? Because they had that opportunity when the cop was talking, you know, before that cop um, in episode two got shot, um, saying, you know, Pat- Patty's not a bad guy. Someone much worse could take his place. They had their chance right then and there to bring somebody else in and make them the new long-term villain and create an arc around that. That would have been, per- dude, that would have been perfect. Instead of wasting time with this Casey shit and Erection Man subplot would all be about Mars' situation and Doyle and and Mars like mm-hmm. mom like this would be Mara season and you can have that because Jane could some still can be involved you know helping Mara find the mom or especially with the Doyle stuff like the mobsters she's a cop like there's still gonna be that Rizzoli factor in this whole Isle season that would have been perfect. Like they would have kept that up, and it, it it would have been great. We wouldn't have to worry about this this Frank is marrying someone else, and like this guy, you know, zombie dude, and then Casey. Like we wouldn't. That why would you bring in something if you can't even finish anything else? Yeah. Watch the newsroom. It's so much better. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not gonna. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to say a quick thank you to all of our listeners, um, especially those who have emailed us and reviewed us on iTunes and as well as followed us on Twitter. We love hearing from you guys, and we enjoy your feedback, so definitely keep it coming. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Yes. That's all for this episode. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at The Randy Podcast. Also, visit our blog at therizzolinalspodcast.blogspot.com where you can comment and email. Thank you for listening. And this case is closed. Perfect. That was perfect, dude. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> We're getting so much better. Yeah!
somebody. Okay, I'm just talking about it. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> I don't remember how the rest of the song goes. No. I just know how this, it starts. 